Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. As we get started here with the sermon, let me pray for us. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your presence, that we can know you, that we can come to you, and that you are here with us right now. In your name we pray, amen. So as we look at this past uh, number of weeks that we've been inside the Bean Challenge, we are ending our uh, uh, weekly challenges, weekly practices of what it means to be with God. And one of the things that can be easy at the end of this is to go, oh, now what? Now what do we do? And uh, the last challenge is to continue. It's just it's to continue our walk with Jesus. And it might look like these practices, but it might look like some other ones that you have picked up along the way. So when we look at when we look at the, the things that we're going to identify today at the end of the Bean Challenge, there's two things I want you to walk away with. One is that the, the story of God's faithfulness and deliverance is absolutely true and real, and we can look at it in the Bible, but also amongst the church here with us. This is why the stories that Sony is sharing are so powerful, because they are part of us. The God that is serving them is also serving us. And I want to bring to you some, some more of those stories here as we're going through, going through the sermon today. So number one, that, that we would be reminded from each other that the Lord that we serve is real and present. Number two, we just get to continue being with Jesus. So when you're on the car ride home and you're like, hey, what'd you think of that sermon? And you're like, oh shoot, what was it about? <laughs> stories of God's faithfulness and continuing on our walk with Christ. So what I want to open with is this fantastic quote from Karen, who's doing a better job than I am right now. Uh, so Karen is with us here this morning, and, w- and when she uh, sent this to me, it, it melted my heart because it grabbed me in a way that felt too real. The, the challenge that resonated with me was choosing church, maybe because it was the easiest. I have always gone to church. For a while, I seemed to be in a rut, just going because it was expected. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just going because it was expected. The joy was lost and I felt lost. When I started going to Trinity, I felt something. The lyrics spoke to me and I felt the love of God. I bookmarked this page in the Bean Challenge book. Worship is a mindset of trusting God and being used by God all day. Those words exemplify what I feel worshiping at Trinity. I feel I have found God again, and I want to share him with others. Right? (laughs) Thank you for the transparency of offering feeling like you're in a rut. And especially when you attend regularly, it feels like when when you feel like you've lost the purpose, do I have to just keep going or what else is there? It can, you can feel like you're stuck. And here we get to come together, be with each other. One of the challenges here is being the church, being in community, and be reminded 
of what God's grace and love looks like to bring us out of that rut. It's not a sin to be in a rut. It's just a place. So when we look at the end of her quote here, notice what she says here. I want to share him with others, not Trinity. Trinity is is just a way to him, is not Jesus himself. Jesus is the point, not Trinity. And so often it becomes really easy to focus on this place. It's very tangible. I can serve the physical building. I can show up and volunteer here. It is a lot harder to be with Jesus because it is not physical. And yet these challenges offer a way to be with him. Where Jesus says, do you want to be with me? Come and pray. Do you want to know what I think about you and what my plan is for you? Study the scriptures. Are you lost? Are you in a rut? Come to church and engage with the community because they will remind you of my promises. So there's this, we're going to look at two uh, verses, the one that Matt just read from Hebrews and another one from 2 Timothy. And there's, a, there's this fantastic story of Paul, who's the author of many of the New Testament writings, and he is stuck in a prison cell where he realizes, oh, this is the end of my life. I am going to die here. And he writes this letter to, to Timothy saying uh, these words of incredible encouragement. And he offers to him at the end of his life what could be seen as like at the end of your life where you're in jail and no one is there to serve you, you could think, uh, woe is me, and I'm going to blame all these people who betrayed me. And instead, Paul offers a, a reminder to Timothy, an encouragement to Timothy, of encouragement of the joy that he finds in Jesus. This man is going to die, and yet he finds great peace in Jesus. What a fantastic example. At the end of Timothy, at the end of 2 Timothy, it's kind of summarized like this. That life involves risk and sacrifice, tension and discomfort. Following Jesus includes these things, and oftentimes we can think of them as Jesus' absence, but instead they are the reality of his presence. And it is precisely in these difficult moments that his love and his grace can become the most real and tangible. A life with Jesus also includes grace, peace, and joy. How amazing is this to see a guy who is actually to see a guy who is actually facing like real life hard circumstances where he needs a real solution. He needs to be let out of jail because he's going to die. And instead, he doesn't seek like a better lawyer. He, he seeks after Jesus for real peace. I, I just find that so powerful because I don't, I don't always go there. I don't always go there myself personally. Um. So we're going to look at this passage in combination with Hebrews uh, to, to find these three, these three themes that exist throughout the, 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 these two verses. Uh, and that the first one here is that we run the race that is marked out for us. We run the race that is marked out for us. So we can see here in Hebrews that it's very clear. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Jesus has guided our path, and what I would like that path to look like 
is uh, when I go to the Bible and it's really difficult in life and go, oh, who should I vote for? Uh, am I going to find that in here? No. <laughs> hey, I'm looking at buying a house. What neighborhood should I buy in? It's not in here. And that is, uh, it bothers me sometimes because I would like some clear direction, please. And instead, what, what Jesus offers us is actually a, a grip on our hearts. He comes after our hearts, and, and this is the path that he provides instead. This, this is a small list of, when you look to the Gospels, what is the life that Jesus calls us to? To love your enemy. Isn't, isn't that like such a greater challenge than who should I vote for? Pray in private. Do not... Uh, do not boast about your religion and how great you are. Give to the poor. He doesn't offer when you should stop. He just says that you should do this. Engage in this. Why? Because it'll grab your heart. Now, this one, uh, I'm just going to, this is one that's really, really difficult. I'm going to pause on this one. This is just one. Forgive. It is not a recommendation. It, it is not something that he says, if the parameters fit, if the person is sorry, he's saying, forgive. Why? Because resentment will eat away at you. And Jesus is saying, I am here to offer you a more fulfilling life, not for anything that you have done, because what I have done. Do you want to be with me? Then here is a path that you can walk down. You do not run your own, this is the race metaphor, you do not run your own path, your own course, but instead you run the one that, Je that Jesus laid out for us. So Bob offered the, this amazing quote here from his time in the Being Challenge. In the studying scripture section, I focused on the word study. I realized that I have often just read the Bible without digging in. Now I realize that I want to study, not just read. Thank you, Bob. Anna says, uh, it helped me form a habit of doing daily devotions, a daily practice of being with God. It forced me in the best way to carve out time for my morning for being in God's word. And when we are in God's word, this path starts to get more and more revealed. It brings, to, it brings this language from Psalms that just offers so much clarity that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I don't know which way to go, I need a light. And so I look to uh, Jesus who says he's the light of the world. The second thing that we find from this passage is that we run the race with others. And we're, we're leaning pretty hard on this one right now this morning because it's just we, just, we are with each other physically. And I'm sharing with you some quotes and Sony is sharing with you some quotes. So when we are together, this, you have to understand the backstory for Lauren. She has not been to church physically here in a year and a half. And yet here in this quote, you see that being with has been the most important thing for her. Success for me was discussing, studying, and sharing scripture and, and meaningful Bible stories and verses with small group. That being with other people helped highlight who Jesus was and the grace that, she, that he offers. Learning, oh, I forgot to put the name on this one. This is from Terry. And just like, get ready, like pull your socks up extra high because they're about to get knocked off. <laughs> 
learning how to get back into community and share my thoughts and experiences, learning how to get back from isolating myself and trusting church family because those are where most of my hurts came from. Anyone else? I'll take a break from church because this place has hurt me deeply. I realized I can't be challenged if I'm not engaged. Who's preaching this morning, Terry or me? (laughs) Thank you so much for your transparency in this. I just found this so powerful because it, it speaks to the very beginning of this verse in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and here Terry is acknowledging, I need the witnesses around me in order to reveal to me who Jesus is. And I cannot do that in isolation. Thank you for sharing that with us. One of the most powerful things, if you, if you have your Bible on your phone, or you can grab it in front of you, um, if, if you flip to Hebrews 11, this, and you're a highlighter, get it out. If you're a writer in your Bible, write in this one. The therefore, every time we see this, is saying, look backwards. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we're going to look at Hebrews 11 and see who the great cloud of witnesses is being described as. And it is this long list of 18 plus Bible heroes that you've probably heard the names before. And the the two-sentence summary of how God showed up and delivered them. And it's just a list. One one that I really liked in here was on verse 7. This is Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, Noah and the ark bringing the animals on the boat. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, when warned about a flood that is to come, and he could not see the water, in, in faith, built an ark to save his family. He built the ark for like 50 to 70 years before any water ever showed up. Isn't that crazy? And yet he is leaning on God's faithfulness and, it, and, and he is delivered. There are 18 other like quick synopsises like that in this Hebrews 11 to say, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of people who have been delivered in ways that are radical, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles the doubt that creeps up, the desire for us to earn God's favor. Let us throw that off because we have a history to look back on of who God has delivered. That is the God then. That is the God we have today. Later on in Hebrews 11, the author goes, um, I don't have enough pages to keep telling you about people that God has delivered. But if I did, I would say this. And then they keep listing stuff. (laughs) And I wonder if they had enough pages and we got to today, whose names would be on there today? And I think it would be the names of the people who have helped shape our faith, our parents or our grandparents, Maybe you have an, an aunt or an uncle in your life that has served as this like second mom and dad. Maybe it was a teacher that you had in school or a mentor or a coworker, someone whose faith has helped shape you to where you are today. That we all have somebody like this, that we can look at them and go, uh, God's faithfulness is real in you. It's not always easy for me to understand, but it's real in you. It's going to be real in me because God is, God is forever. 
God is the same today as he was tomorrow, as he is tomorrow. The last thing that we see here in, in these two verses is that we, we run this race not on our strength, but on Jesus' strength. And, and this, I think this one is the easiest one to miss because uh, I, I have a lot of strength in the sense that I try to solve my own problems and work them out on my own. And oftentimes prayer is like, oh yeah, <laughs> that is an option. I forgot about that one. And this is a reminder here that Jesus' strength is what we get to lean on. For me, this is from Stephen right here. For me, learning how helpful it can be to set aside time to spend with God in solitude, 10 or 15 minutes, praying, worship music, or just being with God will put my mind at ease. Time with him. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to do anything. And instead, Jesus shows up. And he says, I am with you. I have bought you with a price, and you are mine. This is what I want, oh, not this one. This is what I want to point to. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, this is referring to us. This is referring to God's people. For the joy set before him is, is his life, is an invitation constantly to the people that are most often avoided. And he says, I want to be with you. And then his, his resurrection is the, his resurrection and his life are both of these invitations to him. His death on the cross is the price paid for us that we should be paying. And he says, I will step into your place. And his resurrection is access. Access to a God who is gentle, who is loving, and who is forgiving. And as we circle back here to Paul sitting in the prison, dying, uh, knowing that this is probably the end for me, his comfort is Jesus, and what, he and what he believes about himself is not his past, where he used to murder Christians, and he got, he got paid and supported to murder Christians, and then Jesus called him to be a church planter. What? <laughs> and as he's sitting in his cell, he doesn't think to himself, I am not worthy to be in your presence. He doesn't think to himself, Jesus, you have left me. Instead, he leans on the promise of Jesus who says, I have accepted you for who you are, past and all, and I have forgiven you for everything that you have done. Come and be with me and feel my peace and grace. Paul, Paul offers these words that I, I feel like are so perfect for a being challenge that oftentimes brings up what I am bad at. And Paul says this at a different point in, in a letter. My, uh, he, Jesus gives him this word. Jesus is saying, my grace to you, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. When, when we abandon each other, when we say no to God, we want to do it on our own, and we say, oh, we can handle this, this is our weakness showing up. And then we come back to Jesus and we go, we go, thank you so much because your grace is sufficient 
for the sin that I have. There's this excellent line in a song. um, My sin was great, but your love was greater. How often do we accidentally mix those up? My sin is greater. And Jesus says to Paul here, he reminds him, my grace is sufficient for you. Your past does not dictate who you are to me. You are a child of God. You are mine. And Jesus does this through his life, death, and resurrection. He has bought us with a price, and he says, you are mine. Come and be with me. So as we wrap up the bean challenge here, the thing that I want you to walk away with is that you would be able to... I want to pull this quote back up. That you would be able to know that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And as, as Karen puts this, coming out of the rut and, and into life again, that we would be able to share the grace that has been given to us with other people. Hear the stories of the faithfulness of God in the presence of people today and in the past. Second thing, continue in your walk with Jesus. Let me pray for us as we end here. God, thank you. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for your grace. You you send servants like Paul that allow us to see what your love and your sacrifice look like in reality. God, so many times it feels difficult to know uh, that you are close, that you are near, and then you remind us through your people, through your church, through prayer, that you are present. I want to echo the words here of Psalm as we continue to pray. Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. I will lift up your name as I lift up my hands. God, the words of the psalmist capture it beautifully. Oh God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.